0: I think theology's for the clergy. I just believe in Jesus. Certain hermeneutics of eschatology demand an exegetical approach. I think you shouldn't question what you were taught in
1: church. Isn't that blasphemy or something? Welcome, friends. This is Theology Unplugged. Hey, Tim. How hey, are you? Hey,
2: Michael. I'm doing well. Thank you. How about yourself?
1: I'm doing good. Cool. I'm doing good. Give everybody a good welcome. Welcome. All right, nice. Uh, Coming to you from the Credo House, Edmond, Oklahoma. That's right. That's the only Credo House right now, so it's pretty obvious that we're in Edmond, Oklahoma. Right now,
2: but the next one is going to be at...
1: Yeah, (laughs) we can't tell. That is uh, an anticipation of the reproduction of the Credo House that we do not share with people on the outside. Only insiders, and plus we don't really know for sure, right?
2: That's correct.
1: Hey, it's uh, great to have you guys each week. It's great to be able to be here and uh, bring you guys an unplugged discussion of theology. Tim and I were sitting in here discussing a little bit about what we were going to discuss.
2: And, and then we said, wait a second, we need to stop that. We need to just talk.
1: Yeah, because that was good stuff. That's right. You can't yeah. reproduce it or it'll be fake.
2: Exactly. We were in the midst of a good argument, and you just can't bring back a good argument like I know, that. I
1: was winning, so I said, wait, stop right here. <laughs> that's because right. Because we need to uh, have it, this recorded.
2: Because it's so rare for you to win an argument. It it You wanted this one recorded. We're
1: missing Sam. <laughs> we are missing
2: Sam. Where's he, he at? He is suffering in Vale, Colorado, right oh, now. So. Poor guy. Yeah, but he is. Uh, you know, Acts twenty nine stuff. Yeah, if if you're not aware, his church is uh, a key part of the Acts twenty nine church planning network, and there all their pastors are gathering together in Vail, and so we're really excited for them. We uh, we're excited for that that movement uh, for the aspects of the gospel that is proclaimed through those churches, and so we're we're fully in support of him going there, but we can't wait for him to get back.
1: Well, uh, put you on the spot here for a second, Tim. Okay. Um, Let's get to know Tim for two minutes. Okay. Okay. Uh, Tell us about, uh, let's get to know you in this way, kind of an inductive rather than deductive. Tell us some of the stuff you've been doing this week.
2: Oh, man. Okay, this week, uh, one of the big things I've been doing this week is working on the uh, Theology app, so uh, whenever I get a second, I... Uh, try and pull up. I usually work on two or three computers, and one of my computers is devoted to the Theology app. And so um, so that one, basically I was, I'm adding features to it right now so that...
1: What the, is a Theology app?
2: If you go to Theology app...
1: Because you just throw an app like everybody knows what it means, which probably they do. <laughs> That's
2: right. Welcome to 2011. Yeah. Uh, theologyapp.org is the site. Uh, you know, It's an app for an iPhone or Android. It does work on an iPad, but we're developing an iPad-specific app and an app is uh, it stands for application uh, but basically on a phone you can you can click on this app and basically it's an entire seminary uh, in in just in your
1: pocket. And you can do that kind of stuff. I mean obviously I'm not working on it and you haven't asked me to do anything about it.
2: No because I want it to be successful and work. (laughs) But getting to know (laughs)
1: Tim you can do that kind of stuff.
2: You know what I can you know by God's grace I've been a computer geek since uh, since computers first came around. I remember the Commodore 6 that I got for Christmas and (laughs) discovering it under my bed and and I've just always (laughs) been or under my parents' bed I've always been into computers and and when I was in high school I I won a statewide uh, computer design competition thing on a project on weightlifting (laughs) of Mm -hmm. all things I created this thing on instructing people how to properly do weightlifting and then... um, and then I've just I worked for John Deere, uh, Deere and Company for for five years as a computer programmer in the Java programming language. And then for about six year or five years, I was a web designer for Dallas Theological Seminary. So I have that programming design background, and uh, you know, just testament to God, uh, you know, Michael, you allow me to do a lot of teaching here, some writing, and um, and curriculum development alongside of you, and things like that. But um, well, I, you're. you're you're
1: multifaceted because not only do you do the development side mm-hmm. and you're you're a computer geek but also you you, know, you get your THM at Dallas Theological Seminary which that's is right. a four-year program very serious not about computer programming and all no, that but preparing right. people for theological education for the pastorate which is a very serious deal and that's a yeah. that's some of the multitasking that you can pull off but yeah. not only do you just pull it off uh, uh, you, you do it real well for us so. uh,
2: Well thank you And I was working on our And, and that's
1: not um, pl- that, that is That is unplugged Because I do say that To you often Yes Yeah okay? and I'm I, not just I trying to be that. formal In front of our audience yeah. here And give you the only Commendation I've given you right? <laughs> Well
2: you know and, and thankfully for me and And I know some other people In this situation But um, you know, when I looked at my love for for design and artistic expression, and uh, being able to uh, teach the Bible through ways like that, but then having this pastoral side of me and having a, a, a writing type side to me, you know, sometimes you feel like you have to choose one over the other. You uh-huh. know, so what's unique about Credo House is that I'm able to use what I feel like are all of my passions. Um, you know, some some days more than other days. Uh, and I've been you're making, also... I've been making more lots. This you're week also <laughs> <than> a barista, <laughs> yeah. which, which yeah. I'm not.
1: I can't claim it either. No, so. you're, you're not too bad. Well, I'm not too bad, but I'm not uh, into it like you. You yeah. get into things, and you know about them. and yeah. you're, you're even doing a coffee seminar at a church here pretty soon about how <laughs> to make which is not, all I'm these gonna, different things, exactly. which I mean, they didn't ask me to do that, they, I noticed. They didn't,
2: and my preference would be to share the gospel. Or and you teach. said if you were
1: sick, I still couldn't go to
2: it. <laughs> That's right. Your daughter would go before you went, <laughs> but yeah, my preference would be to share the gospel or teach a biblical book but they asked me to do a thing on coffee instead. well it's a bridge so, it's it's the yeah. whole
1: element that and, and folks Tim has brought this whole element to the credo house yes it was designed as kind of a coffee house but it was more of an afterthought whenever I had it in mind in the sense of you know maybe it's a bridge to the outside but more it's for the people who are attending classes let's give them a good cup of coffee and I ordered a a, a machine off of Amazon.com that I yes. thought was the best machine there was to make coffee.
2: And I now mean, it's at the city dump. <laughs>
1: no, actually, it's still in the closet there. I'm, I'm oh, not letting is? go of it. Are you sure? Oh, that's right. <laughs> Unless you guys have thrown it away, which I'll <laughs> well, we'll I think about we've had afterwards. a few comments. <laughs> <be> more unplugged. <laughs> no, that could be unplugged. That
2: can be a good fight. um Yeah. And then the Bible map, that took up quite a bit of my early week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that might be. Maybe that. that should no? be secret Secret? Let's should, do it. Let's move into what we're
1: talking about. Getting to know Tim. Uh, Kimberly, uh, who who you know is is actually, and I've told him this before. He he is a hero of mine.
0: Oh, thanks, you. Tim brother. has
1: had a, an incredible reputation in so many ways for so long, and we we're just so excited to get him and to twist his arm to come here to Edmond, Oklahoma and be a part of the Credo House. Tim, we've been talking about uh, 50 – oh, no, we haven't been talking about 50 reasons. (laughs) We've been talking about reasons not to believe in God. That's correct. Now, one of the reasons why I have this series that I have brought up and I've played with in the past before is because I got a book – uh, that is called "50 Reasons Pe- People Give for Believing in God."
2: Who's the author, just so people can look Gary it up? Gary P.
1: Ha- uh, Harrison. Okay. Now, I don't think Gary P. Harrison. I don't know if he he's necessarily a Christian. I mean, there's nothing that comes out that says, you know, I'm part of a church and you know I'm doing this so that people believe for the right reasons. He's just trying to approach it very objectively and say, here's the reasons that I have, as I've done, conducted cultural study, society studies that people give for believing in God, especially with an American. Kind of looking. Okay a pulse, if you will, during this series of why it is that people out there believe in God.
2: Now, And our focus wasn't really, you know, you're not so much endorsing the book as just as you were going through that book, it kind of triggered an idea of, hey, let's do a podcast series about reasons that people shouldn't believe in God. Yeah.
1: And, and you know, it is, it is something that as I read through this, I'm like, oh, No. You know, is that really a reason why a lot of people are given for believing in God? That's not a good reason. Mm. And and as I went through it, I found out of the 50, very few were very legitimate reasons. Okay. And so we live in a culture that is, you know, at least 92, possibly 93% theistic, which means they believe in God, you mm. know. And we're not saying they believe in the Christian God. You know, most of these people, eighty percent of them, would claim Christianity. Yeah. But everybody says they believe in God, and even within Christian circles, we find these types of things. And so we ask the question: Why do people believe in God? What are the reasons that are given for believing in God? Lots of stuff that has been published recently about uh, the youth and and the reasons why they give for believing in God. And we got this kind of buzzword that's now around called uh, moralistic therapeutic deism That's right. the idea that in order to please God you know the main thing we want to do and the main thing we want to be is try to be as moral as we can you know and try to be as happy as we can yeah, and we've we've dealt with some of that, you know. Yeah, well,
2: enough. and the, the, those three words, I think, there's a reason why there's three and not just one word, like moralism. So it's idea of more, okay, moralistic. So that means a lot of the focus in your church and in in churches all across the world, especially the United States, though, is on morality. So if you go to a sermon, a lot of this you hear a sermon, a lot of those sermons are going to be on something that you walk away where it says, okay, I need to become more of a person like that, more of a moral type person but then it's theistic so we are talking so it's in a world of there is a god you know so be moral because there's a god Mm. or here's how this god teaches you how to be moral but then it's deism which is a big word yeah so deism is is big because basically a deist is someone who believes that God, that there is a God, and that God created the world, but then basically went on vacation. Huh. And so that, and many times, deism is portrayed as God is a watchmaker. Huh. Um, that illustration, and so he creates this beautiful. Finely tuned watch that that can basically run forever, and uh, but a watchmaker doesn't have to every day visit all the watches that he made and and you know tweak them so that they can work. And so, a deist usually uh, knows that there's a god, believes that there's a god, but he really isn't daily involved in mm-hmm. the lives of people. Yeah. And so, um, so th- that uh, basically moralistic therapeutic. Or, or therapeutic is actually – it's not moralistic, theistic, deism. It's moralistic, therapeutic deism. I missed that part. Yeah, <laughs> and then I built off of your missing that part. <laughs> so I, I think I'm, if we play I'm, this I'm, back, I got it right, you yeah, got it if wrong. If we play it in reverse, everything makes yeah, sense. Folks, play it so <laughs> back. I got it
1: right, you got it wrong.
2: But So therapeutic basically meaning that moralistic, therapeutic. So, so the, the message that many churches are hearing is of more of a therapeutic nature. Mm-hmm. Like here's mm-hmm. how you get out of debt. Here's how you're a happy person. Here's it's basically a counseling session uh, of the with this deistic God.
1: And now this isn't what the broadcast is about, but boy, I'll tell you what, we could spend a lot of time on why i I, I, w- I would bring up some things about why deism is taking hold within our youth and culture a lot based upon uninvolvement in the family. I mean if the family mm. is somewhat uninvolved in your life and kind of let you go, yeah. then that's the model for God uninvolved and, mm. and uh, really uh, should uh, help us to look towards how we are dealing with our children now one of the things that uh, whenever i 'm talking to my children just most recently it's it was will I was talking to him as he was walking up the stairs and he He's telling me about a friend of his that he met, and I said, "Will, um, so does does he believe in Jesus?" And he said, "Well, he loves God."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I said, "Yeah, but does he believe in Jesus? Does he love Jesus?" And he said, "Well, he said he believes in God, so he's okay."
0: Mm-hmm. You know, yeah,
1: and, and that's kind of one of the things I'm trying to help my kids graduate to from is yes, everybody's going to say they believe in God, or the mass majority, especially if the younger people, you know, yeah. Um, I, I think the statistics go somewhat down at PhD level, graduate level, college. Maybe ten percent mm-hmm. less believe in God, but whenever you're young, most of the people do. So everybody believes in God. I mean, that's the culture. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes I think that that's what we get to. We get to as long as I believe in God, as long as He's my buddy, as long as as long as my friend believes in God, in mm-hmm. some sense, we're good. Yeah. But that is how the world has been for. Its entire existence. I yeah. mean, the, the from from the very beginning, everybody has the the issue is not whether you believe in God exactly. or a creator. The issue is have we as Christians communicated uniquely enough mm-hmm. the gospel as we believe God has revealed Himself and placed boundaries around what it means to believe in God truly.
2: Exactly. Well, and we see in the New Testament that even then in Second John, as we were talking about earlier today, uh, and uh, Galatians, and we see so many places that even in the New Testament times, they are spending a lot of energy saying we need to keep the gospel pure. Um, you know, there isn't so easy for a fog, I think, to move in to someone who, who held to the gospel at one time or has heard the gospel at one time, and then it starts getting confused with all of these other messages mm. and where so many of the New Testament writers are saying, no, keep what the truth of Christianity, the gospel, needs to be kept pure, and it's a lifetime pursuit in our own lives as we look at the mirror and not forgetting that as in Galatians that we were once saved Saved by the gospel, don't take on a yoke of slavery of some other thing to try and get through this life, that the gospel is a once-for-all message that is good for all time, and there's nothing that will ever or ever should or needs to be added to it.
1: And and so many times we replace God, even the name of God. Okay, we've already talked about, well, I believe in God, so you're good.
2: Or the big man.
1: Yeah, yeah, something like that. We can even get down to Christ and say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Yeah. But really, just believe in him for all the wrong reasons and have a completely wrong gospel. And so the next thing with my kids I'm going to have to graduate them from Mm. is saying, yeah, he said he believes in Jesus. Okay, yeah, well, what does he believe about Jesus? Mm. You know, who is Jesus to him? What has Jesus done for him? And what is his faith? What what defines his faith in Jesus? Yeah. A a simple belief, a trust— uh, 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 an inquiring of information that I that I adhere to to some degree. Mm-hmm. What do these things mean? And and so much of the time, as we look through Israel's history, we find them having these types of problems. Yeah, mm-hmm. I believe in God. You yeah, know? but I also believe in all these other things. Remember that how how post David and Solomon begins to move Israel into this into this really weird form of polytheism. Now polytheism is the worship of many gods, right? Mm-hmm. But now Israel likes God the best, Yahweh, okay, Yahweh-ism we might call it at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah, They like God the best, but they also like these other gods too. And so, you know, do you ask them, do you believe in Jesus or do you believe in Yahweh? Yes, of course I do, as yeah. they're on their way to Baal Festival, yeah. you know, yeah. because we integrate and we, we, we're, we, we begin to change what it means to believe in God, what it means yeah. to be – because in the Christianity isn't belief connected to commitment,
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I mean a commitment of the mind, of the heart, of the soul Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength Yeah, That's not And they begin to graduate into that Even whenever they're at Sinai Moses is getting the Ten Commandments Yeah, Yahweh has just delivered them from Israel And here they are at the bottom of the mountain Remaking Yahweh into a calf mm. And so, behold O Israel Aaron says after they make the calf and they say, give us a God because Moses is gone and we don't know what to do. Yeah. Behold, O Israel, here's the God that delivered you from Egypt. Mm. And so it, asking them, do you believe in Yahweh? Sure I do. There he is. Mm. And so the, the whole thing that we're trying to build here is that we've got to be so incredibly particular about the gospel. Yeah it can't be just one of love. It can't be just one of grace. It can't be one of just the name. Jesus can't be just one of a naked belief. It can't be one of pluralism where you're, saying, I believe in God and all this other stuff. Yeah. And I'm open to a lot of stuff. My yeah. mind is open towards other things. Yeah,
2: and that can, you know, a lot of people in the church aren't going to say, oh, I'm a I'm a Christian but I'm open to Buddhism and Hinduism. And, well, and, a lot of and them, and all them will. Stuff. Maybe not here
1: in the yeah. Bible Belt, but you have a lot more of that going on other places.
2: That's true, that's true. Fair enough. But I think where, let me bring in another theological term, syncretism. Hmm. And I think where syncretism is kind of an idea of uh, um, you know it's seen most dramatically in a situation where let's say a missionary goes in and um, and shares the gospel with a group of people and and they say okay uh, yes we believe in Jesus and, uh, and then the missionary couple uh, leaves uh, then they come back five years later and what they find is that these people have just added Jesus to the rest of their religious beliefs and so it's kind of like a smorgasbord so so not so, where someone is not solely a Christian based on embracing Jesus, trusting Him as their Savior, that He died, um, they lived, died, and rose for them, and they reject all other forms of, of of life and forms of following following God. But instead, it's saying, "Yeah, let's just add that to the plate, and that'll we'll hedge our bets." and uh, And so, it turns into where a person used to just be purely Buddhist. Then now they're they're a Christian, but now they're a Christian and a Buddhist kind of mixed together, Um, and I think that that's extreme. But in our case, and it's easy for the gospel to get unclear and for the gospel to not be pure. And it's a syncretism, but not so much of another religion, but just of trusting in other things, loving other things, finding our identity in other things. And so when someone says, Am I a believer? Yes, I'm a believer, let me tell you about how I got out of debt, how I stopped drinking, how how you know my relationships are better now, and all these things. And so someone tells you all about these things about their life, but they neglect Christ and telling you about Christ and where it seems like the focus of their life is accomplishing things to make themselves feel good, as opposed to the focus of their life is a person, and that person is Christ, and yeah, that's a lot the of that attention the of their therapeutic. That's you know, right. Method. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean the it, I, the, the illustration me. the illustration that strikes me most is uh, is Dave Ramsey? and so I'm gonna momentarily throw Dave Ramsey <laughs> under the bus, okay? He's got uh,
1: lots of people under the bus.
2: momentarily, okay, okay, okay. Uh, I'll build Dave Ramsey back up because I love him, I listen to him and everything. Um, but and I think Sam has even mentioned this too is a, a fear that someone goes to a church, and the church's focus is on Dave Ramsey, okay? So, oh, we're so excited Dave Ramsey's going to be speaking at our church this Sunday for the next four weeks, and, and everybody goes through that. Everybody gets equipped about getting out of debt and how debt is, is so uh, is such a yoke of slavery on us and everything. And so then everybody starts getting out of debt and, and financially are in a much better place, and then, and then wow, I did it this, this church. This church is so great, and the next sermon is going to be. About having a better marriage, and I'm so excited to have a better marriage and I can't I just love this church well, that person can go to hell in that experience mm. so I've just thrown Dave Ramsey out of the, under the bus because if he's the focus, people don't have salvation for mm. their souls you know mm. but where the illustration hits me the best is thinking, well what's the alternative? How is the gospel clearer? in a situation like this. And what I would say is, because of Christ, well, let me say it this way. In my flesh, I love things. Things make me feel good about myself. I love things. I love acquiring things. Uh, when I feel depressed, I get things, and and things make me feel good. So I love going on a shopping spree, and I love buying things and having toys and things like that. Well, that gets you into debt, right, mm-hmm. is loving things. And so here's the alternative of where the gospel is clear, is that in my sinfulness, I realize that I have a Savior that died for me. And, and so by the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ, trusting in Him, I have life. And now the passion of my soul is Christ. It's no longer things. So, because Christ now is the focus of my life, the salvation of my soul, the answer for the world, the answer for my for for everything that I am in this life, that is how I have peace that is how I have joy so so because I have Christ, I no longer want to be mastered by things
1: well speaking back to the fifty fifty reasons people give for believing in God notice here it it says um uh, one of the things that, like what we were talking about, is kind of this uh, therapeutic, God can answer my prayers. God will answer my prayers. That's one of the reasons people give. Let me just read yeah. through some of these things. Okay? okay. I know it's a temptation to to jump all over each one of these, but this is the list that is given on the front of the book. Anything is better than being an atheist. Mm. Our world is too beautiful to be an accident. You know, that's that's a little bit more understandable when we're talking about that. That's uh that's a, a design issue. Uh some very smart people believe in God again, you know, it's not that that's that bad. Science can't explain everything. Again, not that bad. Yeah. Um better safe than sorry, you know, yeah. which is Pascal's wager, right? Exactly. Um Because I want eternal life. Again, none of these are that bad. I mean, I could go through the whole list. Again, there's 50 of them. Almost everybody on earth is religious, you know. And we could talk about, because my parents were, because I'm emotionally inclined towards it. On and on and on we could go. Again, these are all reasons, I think, that are on top of reasons why we believe in God. But when we're talking about legitimacy, mm-hmm. and this is what we're coming down to, we're coming down to why does God want us to say we believe in him? Yeah. You know, why did God want Polycarp as he was in the, in the middle uh, j- just before he was martyred? Mm-hmm and uh they were calling on him to say away with the atheist because the Christians were called atheists and that would be his way of repenting. Yeah. But he looks at the crowd who is all against him and mm. says away with the atheist pointing at them. What would have he said if he said Polycarp, what do you believe in God? Yeah. I mean because my God will answer my prayers to save me because it's better safe than sorry. Yeah. Could you I, I you know So
2: so Paul or uh, Michael uh, why, why how would you respond?
1: Well, in, in the end, here's, here's what it comes down to. I mean, we've said this over and over again. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, before anything else, we are not trying to build a concept of God that is palatable to the point that where we really like him enough to believe in him, yeah. or he has enough characteristics that we have piled upon him, attributes that is piled upon him, in order for us to say, now I'm comfortable re- uh, believing in him. So and,
2: we believe because he's worthy? Uh,
1: because because it's true.
2: There's nowhere else to go? I mean,
1: here, here's what – yeah, exactly. I mean, in the end, that, that's a very good statement. I mean, what what, what Peter and, and the disciples said to Jesus is everybody was leaving him, no longer believing in him. Believed in him for a time. Why do you believe in Jesus? Because he can bring uh, food down from heaven. Yeah. You know, he, he seems to be the fulfillment of what Moses was beforehand. Illegitimate. Mm. Not real belief. Why did they say? Because – you're the one who has eternal life, the words of eternal life, because it's true. Because in the end, I don't get to choose. Yeah. You don't get to choose. Everybody that's listening to this, you don't get to choose what God is like. Our opinions in these things do not have any vote in truth. We believe in him because it's the truth. Yeah. Period. Now, what are we? What does that truth imply? And that's what we begin to learn. But those don't provide the reasons why.
0: Exactly.
1: Because we find out that God is gracious, we don't say, well, I believe in him because he's gracious. Mm -hmm. Well, what if he wasn't? Mm Mm-hmm. Do you get to choose? Do do we make God? And see, that's the thing that we have. I mean, it's it's the Burger King, have it your way. Yeah, it's
2: it's humanism, really, is that I'm doing this for me. Yeah. It's what I can get out of it and not what God gets out of a lifetime of my worship to him.
1: Well, you know, here's the nice thing is whenever you say, I believe in him because it's the truth, whenever that's the starting point, and we're not going to go through this anymore. I mean, we're ending the series here, but whenever that is the starting point. You don't do anything but try to discover further truths about God. And this is a process of discovery, Mm. of of coming to him and saying, now tell me more about yourself. I I believe that you are the one true God. Now explain yourself. You have introduced yourself. And it's discovery. Mm. It's not now manipulation. It's not Mm. now humanism. It's not now our attempts to make God the best God that he can be in our mind's eye. And, Tim, don't you think that that's so many of the problems that we have today? I mean, we deal with doctrinal issues yeah. left and right all day long. I mean, whether it's the issues that are going on right now with hell mm-hmm. or God in the Old Testament. I mm-hmm. think those are two big issues right now, right? Yeah. I mean, why would a loving God send people to hell for eternity? Yeah. And why in the Old Testament does he kill the canaanites yeah as if and here's the here's the deal that drives me crazy it's as if we can look at this and say well since he sends people to hell it's not true yeah because i don't like it yeah, because I don't want him to, because that's not a characteristic or an attribute that I would choose myself.
2: And I'm the center of the universe, and I get to decide. Exactly. And let's put him on trial and make him answer for what he's done.
1: Yeah, and, and if he can't answer, we'll find something else. We'll yeah. either go to know God. which How did that determine the truth? When did all of a sudden these things determine reality?
2: Exactly, yeah. Someone who can't tie their shoes until they're, you know, before they were six years old or whatever, and they're telling you who God is. Hmm. Yeah, and you know, and yes, God does give people. I mean, we teach us in in our mission section of the discipleship program that God uses people to tell people about himself. You know, and so humans do tell people about God, but we are not the ones who determine who God is.
1: Once we have that freedom, distortion is all we can hope for. Mm-hmm. And that's a bad thing because you end up not really have, you end up having a calf yeah. That says, Behold, O Israel, here's the one that you wanted, yeah. the one that you could see. You know, I mean, they were mad because they couldn't see God. He didn't go before him like the other gods. Yeah. We're mad because in the Old Testament, he seems to do things that we don't think squares up with the way he ought to do things. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying there aren't answers and legitimate answers that will help us. But if you're waiting to really believe in God deeply until all of your answers are secure, let me tell you, you got the cart before the horse. Yeah. Your belief is going to be for the rest of your life, and I'm not saying it's not true belief. I don't know. But I will say that your belief for the rest of your life will be guided by yourself, and eventually God will look more and more like you. There's a way... That seems right to a man in his own eyes, but the end is death. Yeah. What does that mean? The end is complete distortion. And if you're heading that direction, if we don't believe in God for the right reasons at the very beginning, if we don't believe in the right God, if we do not look to him mm-hmm. as he has introduced himself and sometimes biting the bullets, mm-hmm. and I do. I mean, sometimes I look at those scriptures and I have to bite the bullet of things that I think are hard. Yeah. And I'm not trying to worm my way out and say, oh, let's try to find a good explanation so I can feel better. No, in the end, what do we do? We put our hand over our mouth and we say, You're God. You know better than us. Mm-hmm. We are not. Yeah. And if we don't start there, Tim, we have hopes of just building false deities that we name Yahweh and we name Jesus. Yeah. Right?
2: Exactly. Yeah. So we He's God. We're not. He has told us that to be with Him forever is through His Son and that he sent his Son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So the reason to believe in the, the, the... I love how Jesus is referred to as the messenger and the message. He is both. He is the message and the messenger. So he brings a message that we accept, and he is the message. And so if someone says anything about belief... It, without the person of Jesus being the central thing they are talking about, they are talking about a belief that is not rooted in the reality of the gospel.
1: Well, folks, uh, I hope you've enjoyed this series on reasons not to believe in God and different reasons we have covered. I hope that you've understood the purpose of this is to help you guys to be encouraged in yeah. the end. It's an encouraging thing whenever these things aren't on our shoulders. Yeah, You just believe in him and you love him. And you follow him. And uh, his introduction is is very trustworthy. Uh, again, I thank you guys for continuing to uh, listen to Theology Unplugged. We're we're one of the longest running theology podcasts. I actually think we are the actual longest running theology podcast that there is now.
2: Out of Edmond, Oklahoma, or N- just no, no, in general
1: across <laughs> the board. Um, uh, the so uh, it's been great to have you guys as support. We, we remember we are a not for profit, and we do beg for money occasionally. And so uh, if good. you if you benefit from this program, you believe in it, go to the website. Uh, first of all, tell us. I mean, yeah. send us an email.
2: And we'd, we're we'd not like a, customers. we're not a huge... 501 or a huge like Fortune 500 company. We are a 501c3 nonprofit. There are only three of us that work here as a ministry, and so um, we would love to hear from you. So if you call up here, you have a, a two thirds chance that either Michael or I will answer the phone. And if not, you could talk to us directly within just one request. And uh, we love to be personal as well and to, to talk with you or to tell you more about uh, why we think uh, your support in this ministry at this time is a, a just an amazing investment in the discipleship of the Bride of Christ.
1: Go to reclaimthemind.org, check it out, uh, contact us, hit the donate button, give us some money to support us. I mean, we need that as well. Yeah. You like my straightforward stuff, don't you?
2: Most of the time.
1: I'm unplugged. Yeah, you are unplugged. Hey, we love you. Guys, we'll uh, talk to you next week. Uh, Sam will be back, we think.
2: And the huge series that we're going to start with some fireworks, we can't wait for it. Kaboom. You've
1: been listening to Theology Unplugged visit our iTunes page by searching Theology Unplugged at the iTunes store all episodes are available as free downloads Theology Unplugged is made possible by Reclaiming the Mind Ministries Reclaiming the Mind Ministries is a listener supported ministry if you've enjoyed this session or benefited from it in any way do consider partnering with us for information on how to become a ministry partner and for a complete listing of ministry resources visit the RMM homepage at www.reclaimingthemind.org Thank you for listening, and God bless.